welcome to the weekend entertainment edition of the Literature and Film Podcast, a.k.a. the We Laugh. Our mission is to inform you of the latest entertainment choices for the weekend ahead, either at the cinema or streaming at home. And now, from a remote location on the East Coast, in the heart of Flying Bull Production Studios, your host, Richard Lusk and Ryan Bull. Back from the break, it's Laugh. We're back at you with episode 137. We apologize for the break, but we're back and better than ever. Nothing's broken. Nothing's broken. Uh, we have a wee laugh now for the April 22nd weekend. Yeah, man. We had to get ready to tell everybody about the new movies that are coming out this week. Yeah. Stuff you can see on streaming. It's a big week, man. This is my most anticipated, one of my most anticipated movies of the year. Uh, clearly, you're talking about The Huntsman? Elvis and Nixon. All right, let's start there then. Elvis and Nixon. Tell us a little bit about the film. This is the untold true story behind the meeting of Elvis and Nixon. (laughs) There's a photograph in the National Archives that reporters and journalists, writers can go look at. You've seen it published several times of Elvis and Nixon sitting together. And uh, it's the most requested photograph in the National Archives. Yeah. For historians to peruse. Well, it's awfully bizarre. It is pretty strange. Elvis wanted to be a spy. Yeah, he he, he thought he could get in and uh, to places that other people couldn't. And there's actually a long history. Supposedly, uh, one of our most be- or one of our best spies that no one knows about is Harry Houdini. Except for you. Because I read apparently, the biography that you that throws out this theory that he was a spy because he could go and travel all across Europe and people would show him their jails and a lot of their army barracks and mm-hmm. stuff, you know, and so he was able to see a lot of stuff that the average person wouldn't. Bob Hope, it's another one. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, never know. Uh, this movie is starring Michael Shannon, who our viewers, our listeners might know as General Zod from Man of Steel. He's also in the current movie that's out, Midnight Special. Which hopefully we can see and maybe talk about on the show here in the coming weeks. And Kevin Spacey is Nixon. Oh, Shannon stars as uh, Elvis, by the way. Uh, Kevin Spacey's been in a ton of movies. House of Cards, Usual Suspects, American Beauty, L.A. Confidential. Also played Lex Luthor in Superman Returns. So there's that uh, connection between the two actors. And Lex Luthor became a president. In the comic book series, oh, yeah. Lex Luthor is voted president. Um, how many actors do you think? How, can, how many actors do you think you can name who've played Nixon? Who've played Nixon? Can uh, you name any? I'm trying to think of the guy who played him in Frost Nixon. And I can't think of the guy's name. Frank Langella. Frank Langella. I think uh, he got a supporting actor nomination. Anthony Hopkins played Nixon. I want to say yes in the movie Nixon. I think he got a actor nomination. Oh, I don't think I can name any others. Dan Hedaya. Tricky Dick, I think, was the movie that he was in. Oh, uh, with the two girls. Yeah. Yeah. Who... And uh, John Cusack. Oh, yeah. He played him in The Butler, which was one of your... When it... Did your mom and dad like that movie, right? Maybe. Uh, I don't I remember. can't remember. Yeah. We talked about it. What's in Philip Baker Hall, another fave of the Laugh podcast. Um, anyway, I'm excited to go see this movie. I, I hope that we get a chance to... Because I love Michael Shannon and I love Elvis. Elvis is one of... Elvis may be the last musical icon that everybody can relate to in some way. I mean, I think a lot of people know who Kanye West is, but my dad, I'm sure, doesn't relate to him in any way. 
And he has nothing. I don't even know if he knows who he is. He's probably heard the name in passing, but I'm not sure that he knows who he is. Arguably, Elvis has the best name recognition of anyone from the 20th century. Yeah. Maybe. Him and Harry Houdini to come back to that. I mean, <laughs> it's another way of saying it. Yeah, but I bet you even if you asked our kids, I think you'd have 100% have heard of Elvis. And I mean, our kids are, we start with freshmen. I wouldn't be surprised if quite a few, nah, I wouldn't be surprised if some have never heard of Harry Houdini. Although I think we tried this experiment in the past. Yeah, name a magician. And name a magician, I think I most of them said. Most of them said Houdini, but I bet you there's probably a few that wouldn't know Houdini. If you showed pictures of them, name these two people, name one of these two people, how many do you think you would get back that said Harry Houdini? Depends on what the picture is. If I got a guy upside down in a glass tank filled with water, hopefully then they would get Harry Houdini. Well, there would be a certain percentage of people that would choose that just because they're so smart and bright and brilliant. And yeah. They want to. They want to. Imp- they want to impress you. I think Elvis is pretty iconic. Of the presidents, who do you think has been in movies most? Uh, real presidents. This is real presidents. Uh, yeah. Either Washington or Lincoln. Those are the top two. Lincoln's twice as much as Washington. Mm. Yeah. So that's my trivia about. Uh, <laughs> Actors who played Nixon and Nixon, or, uh, okay, here's another one. With this movie, um, Nixon becomes, or he surpasses one other famous. JFK. No. JFK is pretty low on the list. George W. Bush. Huh. They both had, going into this movie, 36. Now Nixon has 37. Well, actors who have played him. Yeah, various times. Either, yeah. Uh, That must also include TV. I don't think so. For Bush. Bush has been portrayed in movies 36 times. Apparently, According to this article in Slate Magazine. Huh. Oh, so anyway. I, I like uh, fake performances of Elvis, like these fake stories. <laughs> I mean, I realize he did meet with Nixon, but I mean, right, a lot of right. this is a fictionalized account. I'm a big fan of the movie Bubba Hotep yeah, yeah. with uh, Bruce Campbell playing Elvis Presley, a, right. an old Elvis who's now in a retirement home. Yeah, isn't it Nipsey Russell that plays uh, John F. Kennedy? Or some some African American actor that says he's John. Danny F. Glover plays JFK. Is it Danny Glover? Yeah, it's Danny Glover. Yeah, Nipsey Russell. And then they went <laughs> Danny Glover. Bruce Campbell goes, "You know you're black." He goes, "Yeah, it's part of my disguise." Yeah, they 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 dipped me or they dyed me. <laughs> they dipped him. Okay, and they have to All fight right. against a mummy that's been unleashed. It's a great film. Yeah, I love that movie. It's a good movie. So. Bruce Campbell. It's not a bad Elvis. I don't think Michael Shannon will be a bad Elvis. Nope. I haven't seen any of the trailers, but I have seen some of the production stills, and he looks he kind of looks like Elvis. Do you know who they originally cast for the part? Uh, I, I think I knew this in the back of my mind. I forgot. The Incredible Hulk, Eric Bana. Oh, really? Yeah. He couldn't play fat, I don't think. Oh, he could definitely play he fat. He played fat and chopper, but that was back in his younger days. He probably doesn't want to gain and lose the weight. Well, that's all that you can play fat. You, right. you can always like play one more role fat. Right. The, the right. trick is, can you go skinny again? Then you got to make sure that you get a superhero <laughs> role or something so where you can lose a bunch of weight or some crazy person that gets put in solitary confinement and becomes emaciated. Oh, yeah, like Christian Bale sometimes plays fat, yeah. but he refused recently. They wanted him to play Ferrari, the the car maker. Oh, oh okay. For the, uh, yeah. and, and they're like, yeah, you're going to have to gain 40 pounds. And he said, no, I won't do it. And they're like, well, you can't have the role. And he went, fine. Oh, He's well, just like, I'm not going to get fat again because it's yeah. so hard to go off the weight. Well, when he first arrived at uh, Batman Begins, the crew and uh, some of the executive producers were like, we're not filming Fat Man. Oh, that's right, because he gained too much weight. 
bounce for the back from machinist. the machinist. Machinist? 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 He you is a machinist in the movie. He, he doesn't he doesn't he work with machines? <laughs> I think he changes around with machines, right? <laughs> Jeez. He lost a lot of weight for that movie too, but they filmed it out of sequence. So, oh yeah, uh, but interesting uh, movie, great role. Um, what no, else is coming up? It's a weird. It's a prequel to Snow White and the Huntsman, but it's not focusing on Snow White. This is the Huntsman Winter War. This is talking about Chris Helmsworth's character before he goes and tries to save Snow White when he's involved in a war between two evil sisters. One's played by Charlize Theron, who was in uh, Snow White, and the other is being played by Emily Blunt, who's playing the Ice Princess. So this is kind of a weird action-adventure version of Frozen. Very complicated. Yeah, the and then Jessica Chastain figures in. She's the Huntsman's wife who was already dead in Snow White and the Huntsman. Apparently she was obligated to be in this movie through her contract with Crimson Peak. Yeah, and she's doing like a weird uh, Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow thing. Uh, I don't know. I've seen some of the trailer because I don't plan on watching the movie. Do you plan on watching this movie this weekend? Not Probably not this weekend. I'll probably catch up with this when it comes out on Blu-ray. They're doing a weird thing with this uh, This whole... Like, like They're trying to build a universe around it so that they can rival... Marvel stuff or DC stuff, maybe Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can have an ancillary world surrounding these characters. Well, if they're... you build enough female lead, like strong female protagonists and antagonists, and like, mm-hmm. I mean, you got three of the top actresses. I'm a big fan of Charlize Theron, Emily Blunt, and Jessica Chastain. I think they're all fantastic actresses. Well, at least one of them has to die in this one, as you kind of mentioned in a spoiler. Well, that was in one of the plot things right I read, and then they're like, off. but she's not really dead. And then one article was saying this is also going to be a sequel. So it's they say it's like uh, 301. A sea prequel? Rise of a Nation. <laughs> An uh, interquel. Yeah, the sequel to 300, where it was a prequel at the beginning, but by the end of the film, it's now a sequel. <laughs> okay. it, it overlaps in that oh, part okay. of it. So well. one article I was reading said that this is kind of doing the same thing. I don't know. It looks like a lot of action. They've got the director uh, from the second unit of the first film. So he was the one doing all of the action sequences. That's Cedric Nicholas Troyan. Uh, apparently Rupert Sanders didn't want to come back and be involved in the series anymore. Well, there was all that controversy with him and uh, Kristen Stewart. Stewart. Yeah, they were caught in flagrante, <laughs> and apparently it ended the guy's marriage. In flagrante delecto. Is that why she's not I don't think it was this? delecto. No? It depends on who you were. Yeah. which of the two people you were well originally she was supposed to come back and then they didn't want to but she's off doing movies and being very successful isn't she like 27 or no she's not even that old i don't know apparently she's got two films that are going to be at con and they're both highly anticipated but wait she's in her early 20s yeah that director of that other movie was in his late 60s right i thought he was in his like late 40s oh okay yeah just yeah. wishful thinking i guess <laughs> yeah, you you want it to be more. This guy was the visual effects supervisor on the Ring, and yeah. uh, and one hour photo. Yeah, I think. <laughs> well, this is his first film, this director. But I mean, he's done a lot of second unit stuff. He's done a lot of visual effects. And if you're trying to make this a more action oriented movie, and the trailer definitely plays up all the action sequences, I don't think he's a bad first time pick. Yeah, but if this is a franchise building movie, it might also have the adverse effect of being a franchise killing movie. Like, why do you give this guy the keys to your Lamborghini or whatever? It just seems like as, as a first time, like 
because Wrecker, he's done a lot of second unit stuff. He also was on Maleficent. Right. This and just so seems... this is coming from a lot of the same heads. I know this right. is a Warner Brothers film and Maleficent was Disney, but well, my... you're, you're feeling like he can handle this fairy tale turned action tale. I, the, the thing that scares me about it is it just seems like it's going to be overproduced and way over, like too many people are going to get involved. It's going to be doing too much service for other things. Yeah. Sort of the same problem that we had with uh, Batman v Superman. Like too many people not able to make, uh, you know, making too many decisions surrounding it. So I think I this know. movie gets lost in the shuffle. The Jungle Book opened huge. It's got a lot of big reviews. I think a lot of people want to go see this based on word of mouth. Does the uh, so I think this gets lost in the shuffle. And in two weeks we've got Civil War. So you've got to make right. your money in the first two weeks, and I don't see this making a ton. No, it wins the box office. Huh? I think Jungle Book will take oh, it two weeks okay. in a row. Oh, okay. I meant for the new releases. New releases, definitely. Does Jungle Book's insane uh, critical response and then uh, you know insane box office that's concomitant with that sort of mitigate the major release of the Jungle Book later on this year? Oh, for next year. Is it next year? I thought it was this summer. I, I believe it's next year. Okay. Well, either back. way, do the they? Andy Circus. I mean, do they directed film? Do they? you know stop producing it now or do they like pull hundred million dollars away from it to try to save some money or you know they're trying to double down with the exact same thing i don't know i think they're too far away hmm. or too far into it and, and i think they're just going to hope the movie's far enough out where they can still release what? it who knows i don't know uh, uh, time will tell have you seen that uh that jungle book movie not yet but i do want to try and get to theaters to see it, Ooh. it it's kind of weird Watching a PG movie in theaters on the opening weekend is kind of hard when you, if you go by yourself. Right. And my wife didn't want to go with me to watch it. So Even I, now? Uh, we're kind of busy this week. I was going to go to watch it, and then I heard uh, John Favreau, the director, talking on a, um, a podcast. I can't remember the podcast, but he mentioned that it, it still had music in it, like the Disney musical. Oh, so that instantly... That ended it for me. All right. I, I may go this week. Go watch it. Huh. All right. Well, so, fair enough. Um, If you go by the Redbots, though, this week, mm -hmm. you've got a fantastic film you can go rent. Ip Man 3, starring Donnie Yen uh -huh. and Mike Tyson. Boom. Mike Tyson is fighting in a kung fu movie. <laughs> what more could you want? Is he fight? Is he using kung fu? No, he's just boxing. Okay. I've watched the scene. It's awesome. Oh, you just, you've seen the scene, but you haven't seen the entire movie? Yeah, I, I, I got the movie as soon as it came out on Blu-ray. Nice. And I just was like, where's Mike Tyson? I want to watch Tyson. Oh, all right. And then you're going to settle down and watch the rest of the movie this week. Yeah, yeah. I'll watch the whole thing. But I, I was like, I have to see Tyson fight. Uh, Now, Ip Man, wait a minute. The Assassin was the movie. What was the movie I saw recently that I liked a lot that had Ip Man in it? I think you were a big fan of Grandmaster, but the Ip yeah, Man yeah, series yeah, has been... Very popular. This movie's already made 180 million worldwide. Oh, Mike Tyson's back, baby. Though it only made like two million here in the United States, it got a limited release. Does he speak, Tyson? Yeah, he's in talking. the movie. <laughs> okay. All right, because he has a very strange voice, N nice effeminate voice. Does he speak? Oh, there in the scenes. Chinese. Where, there, Wait, a, is this Chinese or Japanese? Kung Fu. Chinese. Kung Fu. Chinese. Uh, there's a kid with a balloon in the scene. It's very bizarre. You gotta go watch right. it, but it's a really interesting I'm fight. Thoroughly scene. intrigued. Yeah. Um, now, then, if you got streaming, which you got lots watch? of streaming stuff that you can do. One of the things that you 
might want to do is watch a Netflix comedy series. It's called The Ranch. It's got Sam Elliott in it and Deborah Winger. So far, so good. And uh, Aston Kutcher and Danny Masterson. It's sort of like what what has happened to these guys since, in a way, of what has happened to these guys since that '70s show. Like they, there's that interplay between Kutcher and Masterson that I think was a big part of that show's success. At least it made it interesting because Kutcher played sort of a dumb guy, but Masterson was always the sort of the smartest kid in the room. Here, the the roles are somewhat similar. Um, Masterson plays the good son Rooster, and. Uh, Kutcher plays as the prodigal son Colt, who comes back to the ranch, starts working for Sam Elliott. And Sam Elliott's always really good. He's always, you know, he plays pretty much the same role every time. But the but the bright spot in the whole thing is uh, Deborah Winger. Mm-hmm. I was a big fan of Deborah Winger when I was a kid, and she's held up pretty good. So in this movie, or in this, it's a series. It's a ten episode series, and I think that they've signed on for another ten episodes. Um, it's uh, set up as a multicam. Um, Sitcom? Uh, sitcom with a, it's one of the drawbacks they say is the laugh track and it is distracting and annoying but that's just the way that, that the show is set up and it's I think it's part of it's film in front of a live audience maybe maybe not it looks like a set of one act plays really. so it's like 20 minute episodes yeah they, they haven't gone too long on some of the episodes they're pretty quick I think that you could sell it and franchise it out to um, regular television Eventually, but you'd have to bleep out some of the language. So you could watch this in an afternoon. You yeah. said ten episodes. So. We Tony and I over spring break we sat down and watched like five episodes in a row, and then you know I've caught up with it since then, seen the entire arc. Some of the episodes are better than others. <laughs> the thing that I like most about it is nowadays I think diversity means everybody has the same liberal opinion. These guys don't necessarily have that. They have. You know, I mean, they're they work on a ranch in Colorado, mm-hmm. so they're going to have a certain perspective, and that perspective comes out at times, but it's not always the butt of the joke. It seems like in comedies nowadays, anyone with a conservative point of view or conservative perspective or one that's not completely liberal is a whacked out, crazy, you know, right wing nut job, and uh, they're part of the joke. They're the they're, you know the punchline. This movie, this sorry, this TV series isn't set up like that. It's a there's a diversity of opinion politically that's just a natural part of the uh, you know who these people are. So it's not it doesn't have a political message or anything. It's just you know these are like people who populate the world. You know, fifty percent of the people that populate yeah. the United States. So. I mean, um, there are a couple of conservative sitcoms out there. There aren't many. Uh, Last Man Standing with Tim Allen's. One. Well, that's my point. I don't and, think I don't think this is a conservative sitcom, but yeah. it's not also a liberal sitcom. It's just a thing. It's just okay. what it is. These these people are fully formed characters that don't have necessarily a political agenda. Uh, they deal with some pretty dark issues though, like alcoholism and um, oh, you know, I I don't want to get into too many spoilers here. Alyssa Cuthbert is in it. Ooh, I like her. Yeah, she's uh, Jack Bauer's daughter on Twenty Four yeah, from Twenty Four. So I'm glad to see she's finally doing TV again, or doing anything again. Yeah, well, hopefully this, uh, you know, it finds its legs and it becomes a a better program. It's it's a little rough around the edges, but we laughed. I mean, I laughed out loud a couple of times. And if you get out of twenty two minutes, if you get two and a half laughs, then it's pretty good. 
pretty good as far as I'm concerned. All right, so that's on Netflix. What about if you've got the good old Amazon Prime, which well, just introduced a pricing structure so you don't have to get Amazon Prime if you just want the video stuff, if you don't want the free shipping. Oh, really? They just announced that today. Oh, interesting. Well, how does that work? You just pay for the streaming service. How much? Uh, it's on par with Netflix, within a buck or two oh, of the like, Netflix Was that, like 17 bucks, 15 bucks? Yeah, I think a little less than I that. Know. I don't remember the numbers because I, I, I didn't really pay attention because I have Amazon Prime because my wife and I order everything right, right. from Amazon. Oh, I love Amazon Prime. So if you got Amazon Prime, what should you go watch? Well, uh, in April, they put about five Coen Brothers movies on that hadn't been on there previously. One of them was The Hudsucker Proxy, which I talked about a yeah, about a month ago, as I saw it on uh, Cinemax or something. But the the one that I'm excited to talk about now also stars Sam Elliott. <laughs> stars? Yeah, he's the narrator. <laughs> I think uh, I think he's God. Yeah, so he stars. Yeah, he was representative of someone who I mean, he's a third person omniscient narrator who interacts with some of the main characters in the movie. The movie's called The Big Lebowski. It's voted the number one stoner film from, uh, I don't know, High Times Magazine or something like that. Wow. Not that that's a draw for me, because actually, I don't like stoner movies. So this, is to me, is like essential Coen Brothers, though. So love the, the Big Lebowski. It's got Jeff Bridges as the dude, John Goodman as Walter Sobchak, uh, Julianne Mo- Moore stars in it, Steve Buscemi. Uh, another tie-in uh, to Nixon and... Elvis, there's a painting on his wall, or I think it's on his mantle. It's a photograph of Nixon bowling. It's a lot of movies. He has to deal with bowling. Uh, it's a famous picture of Richard Nixon. So, yeah. That and the Sam Elliott tie-in and the fact that these Coen brothers are now streaming on Amazon Prime make The Big Lebowski my pick of the week. Yeah, I don't think we've ever talked a whole lot about the Coen brothers. I know we talked about Hail Caesar. Yeah, we but kind of mentioned we were going to do our bottom five Coen Brothers movies. Yeah, so. but, I mean, we're such huge Coen Brother fans, but we don't really talk about much on the show. Over there on Film Spotting, I think uh, they're going to win. Well, I think it's, well, I don't want to spoil that, but they, they're they doing a uh, uh, March Madness kind of thing, like they did with actors last year. They're doing it with directors now, and the Coen Brothers are... Are running away with it. Well, they're they're deeply involved. Let's put it like that. Yeah. And uh, there's some other directors. I don't know. Yeah. How do you say that? The Coen Brothers is just one director. Mm-hmm. All right. So if but, you're spending your there you bots office money this weekend, um, guessing you're going with Elvis and Nixon. That's what I'm going to go say. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. I might go see. I might. Uh, nah, I won't see the Winter's War. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to see Winter's War. I would say Elvis Nixon 2 gets my money, though. If I could track down a local screening of Midnight Special, I think I would go see that. So That would be the Michael Shannon film I would go see, but that's still pretty limited all around the nation. That and Green Room. But any one of those three might be what we talk about next week. Yeah. We have a show yeah, next week? Yeah, we got... Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Green Room's another one of those. If we want to make the hour drive, we can go watch it. Three movies it opened in, and one of them is only an hour away. Yeah, yeah. 
So, um, so Elvis Nitsen and the Huntsman Winter War come out this weekend. I'm saying if you head by the Red Bots, pick up Ip Man 3 starring Donnie Yen and Mike Tyson. If you got Netflix, go watch the sitcom The Ranch starring Aston Kutcher and Sam Elliott. And if you got Amazon Prime, go watch the Coen Brothers film noir The Bid Lebowski. Yeah. Uh, on episode 138, we are going to be reviewing The Invitation, a thriller. Kevin. Invitation to join us. From the director of Jennifer's Body and Eon Flux. Yeah. <laughs> How's that for uh Karen Kusama? Yeah. So um thank you for joining me, Elchin. Well thank you, sir. There be Good dragons. to be back. Talk to you.